Hi, Tony Hines here. You're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Glad you could stop by today. Great episode coming up. Well, it's not something we think about every day, but it's something we probably touch, see, ingest every day. These are what's known as forever chemicals, PFAS, PFOS. And they're little talked about, but they're in our water supply, they're in our clothing, they're in our kitchens, in containers, and in pots, pans, anything that's non-stick, contain these forever chemicals. And why they're called forever chemicals? Well, they just don't go away. Once they're in our body, they remain there, and they can do all kinds of damage to vital organs, they can cause disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, thyroid problems cancers. So we're going to explore what suppliers have to do to ensure that they are not breaking not just the law, but breaking our lives by supplying chemicals which they know to be problematic in the products that they supply. So stick around and find out more. PFAS stands for per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances. They're a group of synthetic chemicals, and they've been used in consumer products around the world since the 1950s. There are around 12,000 of these PFAS forever chemicals today. And as one person put it to me, it's like whack-a-mole. You get rid of one, but the companies come back with a new chemical configuration, and there's another one appears. They're in a large range of products, including waterproof clothing, furniture, if you've got furniture, which is stain repellent, water repellent, dust repellent, that sort of stuff, cookware, non-stick particularly, electronic products, food packaging, and in firefighting foams. They're indestructible, and as we've mentioned, they have non-stick properties. They're also used in many different industrial processes. They might act as lubricants to keep things moving in machines or keep things clean. And so, they're ubiquitous. PFAS are well-designed, they're robust, they don't break down in the environment for tens of thousands of years, and that's why they're called forever chemicals. But PFAS have been causing problems too. The global spread of just four PFAS in the atmosphere has led to the planetary boundary for chemical pollution being exceeded, raising risks to the stability of the Earth system. Little is known about most PFAS because it hasn't been subjected to any extensive testing and research programs to find out more about the hazardous properties. Essentially, people don't want to know. That is, the people making them and the people who've incorporated them into their products. And of course, there's a great fear that once the genie's out of the bottle, this could cost billions of pounds for some of the world's major corporations. Two widely used problematic substances are perfluorooctane sulfonate, that's PFOS, and perfluorooctanoic acid, PFOA. They've been scrutinized following a number of major pollution incidents in the United States, Australia, and Europe linked to chemical manufacturing plants and contamination from PFAS-laden 
firefighting fun. There have been a number of animal studies where tests have been done and they found that PFAS are higher than the doses people experience from environmental exposure. The animal studies found it causes damage to the liver and the immune system. It can also cause low birth weight, birth defects, delayed development, and some lab animals have been known to have stillbirths as a result of the chemicals in the body of the mothers delivering the uh, babies. Humans and animals do react differently to PFAS, we're told, and not all the effects observed in animals necessarily occur in humans, but there needs to be a lot more research to find out exactly what is happening with PFAS. We just don't know enough about these forever chemicals. What we do know about them is that they do last forever and they have a cumulative effect. We also know that firefighting foam contains PFAS. And so, for example, there have been cases around airports where the firefighting foam is used to practice on stopping plane fires. And when that foam is washed away, it might go down a hillside if the airport is high up. And it goes into the water that runs down the hill and into the subsoil below. And of course that can contaminate water supply if it gets to the water supply systems. And it does. So that's something we know about the danger of PFAS. And of course once it's in the water supply, if we ingest it, we've got those forever chemicals in our body. And they'll just be added to by the other sources of PFAS that we either ingest or come into contact with. Drinking water and food are the most likely sources that most humans come into contact with PFAS through. It may be through eating fish, eggs, milk or livestock that's been fed on contaminated land. So where these chemicals have been in the land source where the animals feed. There can also be exposure from cosmetics, sprays, or simply dust from consumer products. But we really don't know enough. And to think that governments don't have major research projects funded to look into these things is just incredible. Chemical plants and other facilities, industrial facilities, along with landfills and treatment plants, are also potential sources of PFAS contamination. If you think about the waste products, household waste, carted off every week by local authorities, deposited into landfill, many PFAS contaminant sources will be in the waste. Manufacturing processes, water treatment sites, and of course the air, the soil and the water will all contain PFAS. So it's absolutely everywhere, and increasing amounts of these chemicals have been pumped out for over 75 years. PFAS and these forever chemicals are of course a real health risk. And something else that we do know about the chemicals, they've been known to cause increased levels of cholesterol. They reduce the vaccine response in children. They can cause liver damage by changing enzymes. 
there's an increase of high blood pressure and preeclampsia in pregnant women. They can decrease infant birth weight and they do increase risk of kidney or testicular cancer and breast cancer. When tests have been done on animals, the doses of PFAS are higher than those in people, as we've said, because animals have more environmental exposure. PFAS chemicals have been detected in air, water, soils, sediments, and they're even in the rainfall at levels that would be considered unsafe in drinking water in some countries. Because some of these chemicals are so robust and efficiently made, and they have grease and water repellent properties, it enables them to be separated from their original products when they go into landfills, for example, and that's where they start their migration into the environment. And that's very bad news for everyone, because that means that these chemicals will then spread, and that's when they begin to cause serious damage to people. They get into the food chain, they get into the water supply, they kill animal life, and of course, kill humans. So they can be very toxic. PFOS, of course, is more ubiquitous than PFAS, according to reports. It was DuPont that introduced us to these forever chemicals, and they developed Teflon back in the 1940s, which appeared to be a great product because of its non-stick property, and it solved all kinds of problems when it came to cleaning pots and pans. I can recall having a Teflon-coated tie at one point, which was great, I thought, because you could simply spill things on it and just wipe it off, because ties are always messy, aren't they? But a problem occurred with DuPont's chemicals in a US plant in southwest Parksburg, when the chemicals got into the air and contaminated the Ohio River, and eventually, of course, it damaged and contaminated the water supplies. It took a long time for this to be proven, but it did eventually lead to DuPont settling 3,500 personal injury cases for about $670 million. And of course, Mark Ruffalo's film, Dark Waters, covered the story in detail. And that's well worth a watch. It's a story of cover-up, protection, non-admittance, but eventually the class action that was brought against the company did actually win the case. But it destroyed people's lives. It killed lots of cattle too. This case in the early 2000s triggered a US study between 2005 and 2013 that involved taking blood samples from about 69,000 people living near the DuPont plant. And the conclusion of that study said there was a probable link between exposure to PFOA and six diseases, high cholesterol, ulcerative colitis, thyroid disease, testicular cancer, kidney cancer, and pregnancy-induced hypertension, blood pressure. Other studies on PFOS and PFOA noted that the immune system was depressed and the response was lessened as a result of these plastics. They've also been linked, as we said, to low birth weight, birth defects, delayed development, and newborn deaths of laboratory animals. It's certainly a major concern in the United Kingdom when the Environment Agency has almost halved the use of inspections in the past five years, and forever chemicals have been found in drinking water sources across England. Rachel Salvage in The Guardian writes about these things often, and if you want to stay abreast, then I'd suggest that you read The Guardian and Rachel Salvage's articles to keep up to date with the latest developments. 
On the 23rd of November 2023, Rachel Salvage reported that uh, potentially toxic forever chemicals were detected in the drinking water at 17 of 18 English water companies, with 11,853 samples testing positive, and experts appear to be extremely alarmed by this. These PFAS chemicals that we've been talking about come from industrial processes and firefighting foams, amongst other things. Some PFAS, including PFOS and PFOA, are now mostly banned, and they're the ones linked to cancers, thyroid disease, immune system failure, and fertility problems. The Drinking Water Inspectorate is part of DEFRA in the UK, Department of Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. The DWI, the Department for Water Inspection in the UK, says these dangers have become a growing concern and are persistent in the environment. They have three tiers which they look at. One and two, tiers one and two, refer to less than one nanogram per litre. Tier three is equal to or more than 100 nanograms per litre, and that's high risk. And it's only at level three that the water authorities need to take action with regard to public supplies of water. I'll put the link to this article in the episode notes and you can read it for yourself. But it's a serious cause for concern. Tiers one and two just simply say keep monitoring the water for PFAS. It's only when it gets to level three, tier three, that they actually do anything. And at that stage, they have to notify the public and they have to stop the water flow if it's exceeding the levels. Well, in the next section, I want to turn our attention to what this means for suppliers who have products that contain PFAS. And there'll be lots of suppliers in the clothing industry, making pots and pans, our frying pans, those non-stick products, furniture. PFAS will be in our motor vehicles. It'll be everywhere. So what's the liability? Or what's the potential for liability? Because these things are obviously going to come to the surface more as more and more tests and research is undertaken. And then there'll be claims against companies. So how can you protect yourself against product liability? That's a key question. There's also increasing amounts of regulation and every country that develops its regulatory framework around PFAS has different limits. And so if you're a supplier across borders, you need to step up and find out what those limits are to protect your interests. PFAS litigation is fast moving beyond personal injury lawsuits against manufacturing companies that utilize PFAS as a component of their product. It's likely that the next wave of product liability cases would significantly impact business interests and could be substantial and financially damaging. It places corporations at risk and it could cause disruption to business activity and significant damage even to the extent of bankruptcy. Product liability litigation changes the scale of action and responses. 3M invented its own PFAS chemical, PFOS, and they commercialised and branded that product Scotchgard, and it was in hundreds of products. Problem is the same physical characteristics that make these products really useful in numerous commercial applications 
also make them highly persistent and mobile in the environment and moving around the human body. And that's why we call them forever chemicals. You just can't get rid of them. There have been a number of large PFAS pollution claims, particularly against 3M for negligently discharging PFAS used in the manufacture of its Scotchgard products that got into drinking water. There was a 2018 lawsuit, $850 million in Minnesota because of contamination to drinking water. And several other states in the United States followed suit. Michigan sued 17 companies for the manufacture of PFAS. So these are the states taking action against the company for contaminating their water. So not people individually. And since 2018, the sums of money have gone up from 850 million, 4 million, 2.7 million, 35 million, 55 million, 113 million by various states. The biggest one was the 850 million, of course, in 2018. I think the key thing for companies that manufacture products and utilize PFAS in some part of those products, either in the process or in the end product itself, need to plan carefully to avoid any significant or costly product liability suits that might come their way. And these will likely come from other organisations rather than individuals. But of course, it's not to say that class actions by groups of individuals will still not come forward, because they probably will. In the United States, there are stricter federal guidelines on forever chemicals. Since June the 15th, 2022, the Environmental Protection Agency released an updated health advisory warning that even tiny amounts of two types of man-made compounds, PFOS and PFOA, are harmful to humans and are found in drinking water systems across the US. The new limit for PFOS is set at 0.02 parts per trillion and for PFOA it's 0.004 parts per trillion. The previous guideline, which was a 2016 guideline, set a limit of 70 parts per trillion, so we're now down to 20 and 40. And that's similar to some other countries. The limits are even lower in Europe and the UK, as we've seen. The decrease, of course, in the United States is a very big one compared to the previous levels, but it's in line with many of the other guidelines around the world. Now, the question we've been looking at here is how you can protect your company from products that you supply, and of course, from any of your supply chain components which are embedded in the products you make. So the first thing, you have to have a a good PFAS management system, a program designed to identify the PFAS in the products and in the supply chain. Easier said than done, you might say. These PFAS chemicals, these forever chemicals, are so pervasive in the environment, they can easily sneak into your products without you knowing. So the first thing to do is identify the products, develop a full materials declaration for them, so that you have all the information to hand. Create a database for them if you have to, or if you're still on spreadsheets, then you need a spreadsheet. Examine the manufacturing processes you have and the equipment you use, and make sure you're not introducing any PFAS into the manufacturing process. And this means sometimes identifying alternative substances to avoid introducing PFAS. And although this might appear costly, it'll be a lot cheaper, a lot lower in cost 
than if you face a lawsuit. Communicate with suppliers in your supply chain and make sure they're not introducing any PFAS into the chain either. And make sure you've got absolute transparency. And you want to make sure you're in line with all the regulations that have come out in the countries in which you operate. So you're going to keep abreast of all the regulatory frameworks. If you deal with Europe, you'll need to know what they are. If you deal with Asia, you need to know what they are there. If you deal with other countries, you need to know what the regulations look like. And also make sure that you're insured because you need to be covered if there are any class actions or any other lawsuits that come your way as a result of these forever chemicals. That's all we want to talk about today. I hope the episode has been interesting. I hope it's given you some ideas. I hope it's not too scary. And I hope you'll be able to develop that plan that gives you the supply chain advantage that you need when it comes to these forever chemicals. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Chain Reaction Podcast. Bye for now. Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines.